Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to talk about this wonderful, we're going to continue in these songs. And this song today is uh, Zechariah, the priest Zechariah. And before we get there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for, first of all, uh, all the adults and the kids who just brought us so much joy and a slice of hope this morning. And uh, we needed that. And so we're just so thankful for their spirit and uh, the joy that they brought here. We thank you for your son, the joy that we have every year as we think about uh, new creation and birth and what the birth of Jesus means to each and every one of us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. This is one of those just heartwarming stories in scripture. And what I love about it is uh, as you approach this Christmas season, you just kind of let this sink in, especially this priest named Zechariah, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, who has this amazing song, and the song comes after he has this encounter with Gabriel, an angel, who has nine months of silence, and after nine months of silence and the birth of his son, John the Baptist, he writes this beautiful song that we're going to get to in just a few moments. But why was that such a beautiful song? And you need to know the background because it makes the song truly come alive. So when you talk about Zechariah, you actually have to talk about him and his wife. They both grew up in, in families of priests, so they knew the life of priests. Matter of fact, some of you here, I'd like to find out, uh, how, do we have any preacher's kids here? Raise your hand if you're a preacher's kid. Okay, well, we need to pray over them now. If you're a preacher's kid, you know, so I imagine the life of being a priest, but they didn't have kids. Think about that. Uh, they didn't have kids. They begged God for children, and Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't have any children, uh, but he had this very important job, and he was part of, and this is interesting, in that day, there were worldwide 20,000 priests in the Jewish faith, 20,000, and then it tells us in 1 Chronicles 24 that they took the, all the priests, they divided them into 24 groups, and then twice a year, one of those groups would come to the temple of Jerusalem, and there were all these duties that they were in charge of, especially during the Passover, which by the way, they think that's exactly what's going on here. So if Jesus was born during Passover, guess what? Yeah, you figured out he wasn't born on December 25th, but that's okay. We still are gonna celebrate the birth of Jesus, but Zechariah shows up with his group and it's uh, his obligation to be a part of the temple duties. And they threw lots, this is interesting. They would throw lots to see what specific duties the priests would do. Now, the one lot that every priest wanted, and the odds were overwhelming that it would never happen in their lifetime, is they would be the priests that would be able to go in with incense and go into the holy place of the temple. And Zechariah won the lotto. Did you know there was a lotto in the Bible? Boys and girls, talk about that on the lunch today with your parents. But there was a casting of lots, and uh, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And the incense... Uh, some of you have grown up in the Catholic faith. You know, it's a kind of, a, a, I would say, a vessel, and out of that comes this smoke, and that smoke represents prayers to God. So in essence, you're all alone in the temple, in the holy place, and you're taking this incense, and you're lifting up prayers on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. So while that's going on, honestly, if you're a priest, uh, in your mind, it's, this is the role of a high priest. Like I am literally feet away from the curtain. 
which is the Holy of Holies. Like I am representing the nation of Israel as I pray for them. Think how overwhelming that would be. And so Zechariah goes in the, I can imagine he's probably trembling as he's holding the incense, as he's lifting up prayers, as he's thinking about his life and where he's been, and that he's lifting up these prayers for the nation of Israel. And through the fog, really, it's kind of like a fog, he sees a figure. Not any figure, it's an angel. And that angel is Gabriel. And the scripture says that he was very afraid. He was terrified. I would be too, wouldn't you? I mean, out of this mist in this, what you think is probably the most glorious moment of your life, there is one of God's messengers. And that message that Gabriel shared with him was a total game changer. Not just for Zechariah and Elizabeth, but for us. The first thing he says, Gabriel, is do not be afraid. And I love this. God has heard your prayers. Some of you right now are struggling because you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and God is not answering your prayer. And you're putting on a good mask. I'm sorry, pardon the pun, but you're putting on a mask and you're coming in, but yet deep inside you're having that struggle. You know what? One time or another in all of our lives, it's not that we're angry at God, We just wonder, God, are you listening? And I read this story and I realize that here is this priest, this godly man and his wife, righteous, and yet they keep praying that they could have a child, that they could have a child. And you gotta know that he's just praying for the entire nation of Israel. Don't you think he also prayed, and Lord, while I'm here, one more time, I would do anything if we could just have a child. And yet in his mind, he's like, that's impossible. I'm too, this is what scripture, he was very old. He was very old. Now, nobody wants to admit they're getting old, but I have to admit I'm getting old. Don't you know you're getting old when you bend over and you're like, I wonder what else I can do while I'm down there. I mean, you know, (laughs) you're getting older. Uh, This is when you know, (laughs) this is how Marie says, you are just a weird person. So we, uh, and over fall break, we went down uh, in Kentucky, which is, I know, where everybody wants to go during, uh, anyway. So we went down, uh, beautiful area, Red River Gorge, and uh, we were in Stanton, Kentucky, and um, it's a Wednesday, and we're trying to figure out where we're going to eat, and I said, let's just eat at Dairy Queen. And on the door, it's like, Senior Citizen Special, uh, 55 and older, Wednesdays only, half price. I'm like, and the Lord just spoke. I mean, I was... I went in, I'm like, I'm a senior. She goes, sir, I know. And I'm like, oh, I just want to make sure, you know, because she thought I was 39. It was really embarrassing. But anyway, we all know what it's like to think about what is it going to be like when we're old? And then when we're older thinking, oh, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. But when we get older, sometimes we think, and this is a wrong thought, I wonder if God really still has a purpose for me. And I want you to know, I want you to know, absolutely, God has a purpose for you. Don't let your age ever deter you from thinking that you are priceless to God. And God loves surprises. Regardless of our age, as long as we're willing to let God move us, he will move us. What a great day this was. And Gabriel says, 
you are going to receive a gift, you and your wife. You're going to have a child. What a gift. I read this book, and it's a, it's a classic for marriage, but I think it's a classic book for all relationships called The Love, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And he talks about, he defines a gift and what makes a gift so valuable. And he talks about unexpected gifts. Now, there's a huge difference. There are gifts that you have to take care of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Husbands, Christmas Eve, the sweat breaks out. Oh, no. I have nothing. You know, I remember one year I was, we were with the whole family, and it was Christmas Eve, and, you know, we always have the stockings. And I realized, man, I don't have one thing for Marie's stocking. And the kids were too young to help at that time. And I remember going to one of my sister-in-laws. I'm like, seriously, I will get you whatever you want. Help me fill this stuff. And so she helped me do the, and I know Marie was on to it because she's like, oh, for pizza. You know, we've all been there, this emergency. I have to get, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is an unexpected gift. And here's what Gary Chapman says, and I think is so true. What makes an unexpected gift priceless is what it represents, what it means. And you know what it means? I was thinking about you while we were apart. Now, here's how that works. Moms and grandmothers, let me talk to you. Uh, your, your little preschoolers out in the yard, and they run around, and they pick a bundle of dandelions, and they come up and they hand it to you. What do you do with that? Well, first you cry, and then you find a place to put it that you'll always have it. Now, what separates that from the thousands of gifts from school that they send home? Everything. You look at that macaroni. If I get one more macaroni, you know, you know, goes on the refrigerator. Oh, that's really good. It's going in the trash. You know, we all have been. But the unexpected gift, the one that says, I was thinking about you while we were apart, those are priceless. That's what gift, this gift is. No way he was expecting this gift from God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is simply when you look at this story, uh, what can we get from the gifts? What do we learn from these gifts from God? Well, first of all, is that God's gift to Zechariah and Elizabeth was that they would be part of the Christmas story. They had no idea what the Christmas story was. Nobody knew. But from this moment on, every Christmas, all around the world, his name and Elizabeth will be mentioned. Matter of fact, if you've got your scriptures, look at chapter one, Luke, starting in verse 67. His, it says, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, and this is his song. Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and he has redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn, a salvation for us. And in this house is the servant David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, if you're taking notes, highlight verse 70. Salvation is from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show us mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to, the rescue us, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear. He starts this beautiful song out by saying, when I look back at all the words of the prophets, they all said the same thing, that a savior was coming. 
It's as if God spiritually put a mile marker in front of Zechariah. Now, I don't know about you, but I love mile markers. Uh, when I travel long distances uh, with the kids, which uh, is not a gift, if you know what I'm saying, but when I'm traveling long distances, I always play the game within the game, and I do that with mile markers. My goal is in the next hour, I want to get from this mile marker, and I pick a number, and, and I'm counting off that number, and I, I just, that's how I help keep the time go by, is the mile markers. Now, what does a mile marker do? Well, first of all, they've been around forever. Uh, we've got a couple of historical pictures here. One is from Rome uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but it, it defines and lets us know where we are, but more importantly, it allows us to acknowledge where we have to get to. You see a mile marker, I'm like, I know exactly where I'm at, and now I know I can figure out how far and how long it takes to get where I'm going, and it's a constant reminder. That's what God's Word does. God's gift to us is this is your mile marker. This allows you to look at your life and say, hey, this is where I am, but it also allows me to see where I need to get to. And we look back hundreds and even thousands of years ago, and we see these mile markers that said a Savior is coming. A Savior is coming. And Zechariah knew that as a priest. He's like, he's putting the pieces together. It's like, this gift that God has given me, I should have saw it coming because he's told me that it was coming. But here's the second thing we all need to know is that God's gift for us is that we now are part of the Christmas story. We don't just read these ancient, beautiful stories and think that was 2,000 years ago. No, we are part of the story. Before we get to those four last verses of this beautiful song from Zechariah, something interesting happened to him when he received this remarkable gift and this news. Do you remember how he responded? Now I'm paraphrasing is, you have got to be kidding. I'm an old man, which makes my wife an old, Gabriel, I don't want to say it, but you know what I'm saying. She can't have a baby. We've, we've prayed this, we've prayed. And he was upset. Gabriel was upset. I was like, wait a second. You don't doubt God. Matter of fact, you need to think about it. It's like the adult version of go sit in the corner for nine months. Silence. Silence. You ever think about silence? Matter of fact, if you go from Malachi to the Gospels, uh, the Word of God, there's 400 years of silence. So you got to know that Zechariah now is thinking to himself, wow, I've got nine months to think about this. Now, what's the greater miracle? Uh, that he spent nine months in silence or that he was a preacher? that went nine months without talking. I want you to think about it, nine months. What about those times in your life when you're experiencing silence? What do we learn from silence? COVID has taught us some things. And I've heard from so many marriages, so many parents, and they've said, we're spending more time with one another that we didn't realize we had not been doing for years, and now we're spending so much more time together. And also craving silence. Some of you parents are like, yes, there are times I just crave. But when you are in the silence, what are you doing about it? What are you learning? Over the last nine months, what have you learned about God and about yourself? Seriously, what have you learned about God? And what have you learned about yourself? Verse 76 says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet, the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of this tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. And it's interesting as he writes this beautiful song, only two verses does he dedicate to his son, John the Baptist. And he lifts up John the Baptist by saying, I'm having this son, John, and John, your number one responsibility is to tell the world and prepare the world that is so dark that a light is coming in Jesus Christ. It's a song that is alive and well today. It's a song that is needed today. Just as it tells us in verse 79, the Savior Jesus will lead us to the path of peace. Do you remember what I shared at the very beginning? That a gift means I was thinking about you while we were apart. Now, I don't know about you, but I was thinking growing up, what were the most memorable gifts I ever received? And uh, I thought about the time my mom uh, and my sister gave me a little beagle for my 15th birthday. That was a great day. This little beagle that ran around with me everywhere that I went. But I gotta be honest, if if I look at the gift that stands apart and you definitely have to be of a certain age, it's when I got my first real bike. Now I'm not talking about the one with the training wheels. Matter of fact, aren't those the, if you're a guy, you're like, I don't even want to see the picture. That doesn't stir anything in anybody. Now look at these training wheels. Those are some bad boys. No, but I remember the first real bike I got because it had the banana seat. Anybody remember those? Had the handlebars. And did we have helmets? Absolutely not. We also didn't have any teeth, but anyway, it was just, and I can remember on that stingray, you know what that meant? I knew my mom was thinking about me because that was freedom. And my mom has no idea all the places I took that bike. She never asked, but she knew what it meant to me. You remember your first bike, don't you? You remember what it represented, the freedom that it represented, the fun that you had, sometimes the agony. (laughs) I remember a neighbor scooping me up and I was just a heap of blood and no teeth and, and uh, walked me in and my mom's like, you know, okay, looks like you're getting your first stitches. And I, I remember being in the hospital emergency room, but I never had one thought of, I'm not gonna ride my bike anymore. My next thought was, how soon can I ride my bike again? Unexpected gift that meant, looking back, man, my mom was thinking about me a lot. She didn't even purchase what was safe. She purchased what I absolutely loved. Don't we go through that every year, parents? There's this tension of, should we really get them this? It's kind of like the Christmas story and the BB gun. Yeah, shoot your eye out. I mean, don't we have this tension every year? But at the end of the day, don't we love it when we can give our kids that which is unexpected? Don't we love that? God loves us that way. You know, what we need to know is we are on God's mind. Just like Zechariah was on his mind, we're on God's mind and God hears our prayers. Psalms 139, 13 and 14 says, for you were created in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know them full well. You are on God's mind this morning. Every one of you, you're on God's mind. Every baby 
unborn baby right now, they're on God's mind. Everybody here is on God's mind. And he's giving us the same gift that he gave Zechariah, that we can have Jesus Christ as our Savior. So I just want to encourage all of you, no matter what you're going through, Christ is with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much because you've given us this gift. And Lord, I pray that we never take it for granted that this is what Christmas really is all about. That when you cut through all the noise and all the clutter, it's this gift, this unexpected gift that says you were thinking about us and that you still think about us and that you hear our prayers and that you love us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.